Thank you. Pursuant to Governor Baker's March 12, 2020 order suspending certain provisions of the open meeting law, General Law Chapter 38, Section 18, and the Governor's March 15, 2020 order imposing strict limitation on the number of people that may gather in one place, this meeting of the Medford City Council will be conducted via remote participation to the greatest extent possible. Specific information and the general guidelines for remote participation by members of the public and or parties with a right and or requirement to attend this meeting can be found on the City of Medford website at www.medfordma.org. For this meeting, members of the public who wish to listen or watch the meeting may do so by access accessing the meeting link contained herein. No in-person attendance of members of the public will be permitted, but every effort will be made to ensure that the public can adequately access the proceedings in real time via technological means. In the event that we are unable to do so, despite best efforts, we will post on the City of Medford or Medford Community Media website an audio or video recording transcript or other comprehensive record of proceedings as soon as possible after the meeting. Okay, uh, I just wanted to um, uh, just uh, make a quick statement regarding these meetings here. Uh, so last week we had a committee of the whole meeting in city council chambers and uh, the public was be, was able to access the meeting via Zoom. Uh, tonight, uh, the council members are back home uh, accessing the meeting via Zoom. Uh, the reason why we are uh, doing this from home tonight is uh, we have early voting this uh, week in city hall. And I know uh, Clerk Herdebees has been working hard at that uh, since Saturday. And I know that's been taking up uh, most of his time and. Uh, they have the tabulation machines behind the rails and they would have to move everything. So this should be uh, hopefully the last time that the council has to log in from uh, their homes and we can uh, do it uh, in council chambers. The, the council can meet in council chambers going forward. Uh, and so that is the plan. But I just wanted to explain that before we get started. Mr. President. Council Marks. Mr. President, I call for suspension of the rules to take a paper out of order. Okay. Uh, on the motion of Council Marks to suspend the rules. Uh, seconded by. Second. Uh, Vice President Caviello, Clerk Hernandez, please call the roll. This is to take a paper out of order. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Caviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The uh, rules are suspended. Councilor Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I ask that we take paper 20-521 out of order. 20-521. Uh, 20-521 offered by Council Marks. Be a result that the sidewalks on Dutton Circle be replaced in the interest of public safety. Council Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank my colleagues for taking this out of order. Uh, we have a number of residents from Dutton Circle. Uh, underneath a blue uh, tent tonight uh, on their front lawn, as we can see them all waving. Um, and uh, I'd like to speak on their behalf, Mr. President, regarding an issue that took place back in 2017 uh, when residents woke up to uh, National Grid uh, cutting down two trees, uh, apparently that were interfering with high tension wires on the street. Uh, shortly after that, Mr. President, uh, the city came by and ripped out two stumps and then uh, set forms to pour new cement sidewalks because the city ripped up about 150 feet of uh, sidewalk along D Dutton Circle. And this was not at the request of the residents. It was because of the work done by National Grid, the safety work that was done by National Grid. 
Uh, fast forward uh, almost three years later, uh, the residents uh, are still waiting to get the sidewalk uh, poured in cement. The farms are still there on the street from 2017. Uh, there are raised water shutoff valves that are causing a trip uh, and fall hazard. And uh, Mr. President, I received a call about, it's probably about three hours ago from Commissioner Kerens and Highway Director uh, Steve Tanaglia. And they assured me uh, tonight, Mr. President, and they were out there today marking off the sidewalk that the residents on Dutton Circle, the long-awaited three years uh, for these sidewalks that they were promised by the previous administration will now be poured very shortly, Mr. President. And I want to thank the residents of Dutton Circle for their patience on this. I want to thank the city administration uh, for moving in a quick manner uh, on this, uh, this administration uh, moving in a quick manner. And I want to thank uh, Commissioner Kerens and Steve Tanaglia for their due diligence on this. I think there are a few residents, Mr. President, I know Emily's on, that would probably just like to speak briefly to the council, if you would indulge. Okay, thank you, Councilor Marks. Emily, would you like to speak? I'm trying to unmute you. One minute, please. Okay, Emily, we just need your name. Oh, you just. Okay, Emily, if we could please have your name and address for the record. My name is Emily Singley. My address is 10 Dutton Circle. And on behalf of all of us on Dutton Circle, I'd like to reiterate what Councillor Marks just said. Thank you very much to the city and their, commit, their uh, commitment to pour our sidewalks. Uh, it took three years um, and I especially wanna thank you, Councillor Marks, uh, for your persistence in this effort. Uh, it was greatly appreciated by all of us. Uh, you can see the residents behind me. Um, so thank you again very much. Thank you. Would uh, any other residents like to speak on this issue? Move approval of the paper, Mr. President. Okay, uh, on, let's see, on the motion of uh, Council of Knights, seconded by? Second. Vice President Caviello, Vice President Caviello. Thank you, Mr. President. Mr. President, I want to th thank Councilor Marks for uh, being up in front, uh, in front of this. He's, uh, uh, I know he's been there many times. And again, uh, I want to thank him for his hard work and also thank the administration and uh, Mr. Karens and Steve Tenaya for, for getting out there. Um, uh, Quicker than uh, than uh, than three years, but uh, we're glad we got it done now. I'm glad it's going to get done now, and hopefully the residents uh, will be made whole for uh, all, all their time waiting. So again, thank you, Councilor Marks, and thank you, Emily, and all your your, your neighbors out there for for waiting this long. Thank you, Vice President Carvalho. Uh, Emily, thank you for uh, phoning into the meeting tonight. Thank you, Councilor Marks. On the motion of Vice, on the motion of Councilor Knight, seconded by Vice President Caviello. Clerk Hurtabees, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Caviello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpet. Yes. President Falco. Yes, seven the affirmative, zero in the negative, the motion passes. Mr. President, while we're under suspension, we take paper 2059, and I think uh, many of the other councilors all have a similar resolution on this. Can I take 20509? Yes. Mr. President, I, maybe maybe we can I consolidate, think, Mr. President. Yeah, we can consolidate them all. 
Okay, so on the motion of, uh, let's see, on the motion of Council Night, seconded by Vice President Caviello to consolidate the following resolutions. Mr. President, Who's, do, you have, do you have to move to take the to take the paper while you're under suspension already, or or can you just take it because you're under suspension? We're under suspension, so we can take suspension. the paper. Okay, so Council Knight's moving to consolidate. Papers 20504, 20508, 20509, 20514. And if we could consolidate those under 20519 with the draft ordinance, Mr. President, I think um, that we'll be in a good track. Okay, so uh, I can consolidate under two, under two, Two zero five one nine. Uh, that's the mayor's proposed ordinance for um, what looks okay. like road and abatement. In, uh, okay. Do uh, you, I can, you want to read each of those off then? You can read any one of them. They're, I think they're all pretty much the same, Mr. President. Okay, 20-504 offered by Council Knight and Council Oscar Pelly be resolved that the method, I'm sorry, be resolved that the Board of Health and Engineering Department need to strengthen the road abatement policies related to ground opening and other construction related permits and report back to the council their determinations. Um, you know, I'll just read them off to everybody. Uh, 20-508 offered by Councilor Marks be resolved that the Board of Health Director report back to the Memphis City Council regarding what steps the city is taking to address the citywide rat problem and public health and safety of Memphis residents. 20-509, offered by Vice President Carviello, be it resolved that the Memphis City Council request the Board of Health Director attend the August 25th meeting to discuss the problems with rats throughout the city of Medford and what is being done to address this serious issue. 20-514, offered by Councilor Morell, be it resolved that the Memphis City Council receive an update from the Board of Health on programs and resources available to protect the health and safety of city residents in light of uh, reports of increased rat activity throughout the city. And under communications from the mayor, this will be 20-519. August 20th. Motion to waive the reading and have a brief synopsis by the uh, representative of the administration here to present this evening, Mr. President. Okay. Uh, on the motion of council tonight to uh, suspend the reading for a brief synopsis by the administration. Uh, let's see, is, do we have, is Dave on the, on, on the line with us tonight? Yeah. Yes. Oh, there he is. Chief of Staff Dave Rodriguez, if you could please give us a brief synopsis of 20-519. Uh, good evening, Mr. President. Thank you to the rest of the council as well. Uh, the draft ordinance that's being presented by the mayor tonight would add Chapter 71 to the revised ordinances of the city and would establish roading control measures that are in place for, for building construction, road construction, as well as establishing uh, requiring plans to be put forth for uh, insect for mitigation uh, from restaurants and other businesses. There's also a fee structure that's in place uh, that would provide that would be put into a revolving account, which is also being created by the proposed measure. Uh, that the the purpose of which would be to support uh, rodent mitigation and, and uh, other measures that directly uh, work towards mitigating rodents, rats, mice. Uh, throughout the community as the result of uh, any number of issues and whether not just construction but also uh, we all know that, that rats and other vermin they thrive where there's water and there's food and we, we need to we need to try to do that in a densely populated area so uh, this is a pretty uh, uh, we view this as a pretty progressive and aggressive way in order to do that um, and we we look forward to having the conversation with the council and the community at large 
uh, to put the put the measure forward in order to address the the multiple items that were put forth uh, by the council and the community in recent in recent times. Thank you, Chief of Staff Rodriguez, Council of Peers. Thank you, Mr. President, and thank you to my fellow councilors for uh, you know, many of you for bringing this issue up. I just have a couple questions, Dave. Um, in terms of the fee structure, um, how how did you arrive at the amounts that you arrived at, and is there an estimate of how much this might raise over a year? We we tried to do it as fairly as possible, and this was a conversation that the, the mayor rolled up her sleeves personally and really dove in with. Marianne O'Connor and a number of individuals, and we looked at what the other communities were doing in terms of this. Um, so we, the free structure is in line with what other uh, cities and towns are doing. You might, you will see that there is no fee that's, that's related to uh, restaurants and other small businesses. There was a, uh, there were previous drafts where that was included, but in light of some of the the challenging times that are being faced by restaurants and small businesses, given the economic times uh, that fee was removed as part of this this proposal and can certainly be added in later uh, as part of it they will certainly have to also submit an IPM which is a, uh, with the plan that's part of it uh, but th there's no fee associated with with those measures so took a look what other cities and towns are doing uh, try to bring it in line with that um, and try to be as fair as possible got it yeah and then just kind of on that general scope um, you know how much might this raise in a year? what is the general cost of some of the rodent abatement measures that you want to uh, implement and that we all want to see implemented and like would these fees provide enough revenue to accomplish the goal sure i don't i don't have the exact figure as to what if we've modeled this out yet uh but i can certainly get that information for you and i can i can touch base with with marianne o'connor who is on a very well-deserved vacation at the moment uh to get uh the exact amount of which we've we've spent on rodent mitigation and in baiting and trapping uh, in the last couple months, especially as we, we've seen an increase. So I can get that information for you, no problem. Thanks, Dave, super helpful. Yeah. Thank you, Council Pierce. Council Knight, then Council Carviello. Council Knight. Yeah. Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, I'd like to recommend uh, maybe a committee of the whole on this paper so that we can go over it in further detail. Um, there are certainly some great aspects to it and uh, some questions and concerns that I have relative to whether it applies to dumpster permits as well, um, whether or not we could extend this maybe to uh, uh, cover some compost files or some requirements around uh, composting as well, Mr. President. So um, with that being said, I'd offer the motion that we uh, convene the Committee of the Whole to go over this ordinance. I'll second that. So do you want to uh, do that as a B paper, Council Knight? It would be a, the motions to just have a Committee of the Whole. So I don't know if it has to be a B paper. I'm not amending it in any way. Okay. Um, so on that motion of Council Knight, seconded by uh, Council Scott Pelly to have a committee the whole regarding this, uh, this issue, um, or two, more specifically to have a uh, committee the whole regarding 20-519. Clerk Curtis, please call the roll. Mr. President. Oh, Council Marks. Mr. President, uh, thank you very much. And I want to thank my other colleagues for putting this on tonight. Um, you know, this has been, I've probably put this on the agenda for the last four years. Uh, and it's been a major issue in our community. Uh, originally, it started out in South Method uh, on the Somerville Method line. Then uh, the Heights received a, a, a large amount of infestation. Uh, the Wellington area, which I live in, uh, was recently baited in tra uh, traps, put down. And uh, I think as part of an ordinance, uh, you know, I, I, I like this ordinance. I, I think it needs to be properly vetted. I agree with Councilor Knight. Um, however, we do have to look at enforcement, Mr. President. Uh, many uh, residents in this community are complaining about 
uh, people leaving uh, trash outside, food in the backyard, uh, leaving an open invitation uh, for these vermins to come in and uh, feed and feast. And that's why they're hanging around. Um, another issue, Mr. President, is, uh, in my opinion, the lack of baiting and trapping in the community. We're not as aggressive as I believe we should be. And that's, a, a, I think, a discussion we need to have with the city administration when we start vetting out the ordinance itself. The last point, Mr. President, I have is uh, regarding uh, private property. I've heard all too many times uh, when the city goes out and they start doing their baiting and trapping that they've witnessed uh, burrowing and nest on private property. And I can understand the city can't be the gatekeeper for everyone's property. However, if there's a nuisance of uh, a property that's in a particular neighborhood and the city's aware, they can see that there's nest and uh, infiltration and so forth. Uh, I think more needs to be done, Mr. President, to work with homeowners and maybe work with absentee landlords that may not give a damn, uh, that don't live in the area, to be quite honest. And I think we have to do more as a community to safeguard the neighborhoods. And if we do locate uh, these nests that are borrowed into private property, I think the concern should be with the residents as well as the city, Mr. President. And I, I think that'll go a long way to curbing uh, the rat problem that we've had in the community uh, for many, many years. This is not a, a recent uh, issue. It's not uh, because of just recent construction. This has been ongoing for many, many years in the community. And I look forward to having a dialogue, Mr. President, where we can address this by city ordinance and also by enforcement and outreach, uh, which needs to happen as well in the community. Thank you. Thank you, Council Marks. Any other councils like to speak on this issue? Oh, Council Knight and then Vice President Caviello, Council Knight. Um, Mr. President, thank you very much. And building on what Councilor Marx had to say, I think it makes uh, great sense. You know, government's constructed to help people. Government's constructed to deliver services. Um, it shouldn't be an us versus them situation. When someone calls and says they have an infestation problem in their neighborhood, that's a serious issue and a serious problem. Um, you know, it's gross, quite frankly. Um, and government should be reaching out and doing all they can to help. And um, the property line should not be the determining factor as to whether or not um, individuals are going to be receiving uh, government services, especially here at the local level. Um, you know, I think that moving forward, enforcement is going to be an issue, but also um, our Board of Health reaching out and helping um, residents when they run into the situation circumstance and helping them bait and coming up with a road and abatement plan for them. And maybe um, having some of these funds from the revolving account used to go back into the community to help people who are facing infestations um, being able to fund some extermination services. So um, with that being said, Mr. President, uh, I'm looking forward to meeting on this. Thank you, God, tonight. Vice President Caviello. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Again, um, uh, Council Marx uh, mentioned many of the things that I was going to bring but I agree with them that we have to step up uh, for the people that are baiting these companies that are supposed to be doing it, they need to increase what they're doing. Also, um, and like he said, you know, we've got many abandoned properties in the city of Medford uh, that with absentee landlords. And it isn't just the abandoned properties; it's also there's there's many, many, many uh, abandoned vehicles in people's driveways and on side streets that have been sitting there for years uh, that have now become rodent traps. So again, um, I, I think we, we do need to uh, sit down with it with our committee at whole and um, more sooner than later, because like I said, you know, there is construction going on pretty much everywhere in the city that you go. So um, Mr. President, if, if you could call a committee at the whole meeting, uh, um, I, know, I know we've got many on the agenda, 
But um, if you can, if you can kind of move this one to the head a little quicker, it'd be be greatly appreciated. And I think the residents would be appreciated, especially with all the construction that's going on around the city right now. Thank you, Vice Mayor. Uh, any other questions or comments from the council, Mr. President? Uh, council Marks. Just if I could, as we all know, we also have many state roads and state parcels of land in the community, uh, which the city would, is not responsible for. And I, I need to say that I did reach out immediately to uh, Representative Donato because it was the Wellington area. And he was quick to respond, Mr. President, uh, regarding concerns and quick to address it on the state level as well. And I just want to thank Representative thank Donato for his Marks. work. Okay, any other uh, questions or comments from the council? Okay, seeing and hearing none. Any questions or uh, comments regarding the uh, from the public? Yeah, Clerk Hernandez, do you see anybody's hands up? I don't see anyone, but I just want to make sure I didn't miss anyone. Actually, uh, let me unmute you. He's still muted. Said he hasn't seen anyone. I can read his lips. Oh, okay, good. Good job, Council Knight. Knight. <laughs> okay, so with that being said, uh, we're going to the first vote will be to merge all these papers together under 20-519. So on that motion uh, to uh, merge these papers together, Clerk Kernavis, please call the roll. All right. And I believe Council Knight made the original motion to merge, um, and I believe it was uh, – I don't – uh, I don't actually see a second on the original. I, I believe it was. Okay. Coach, I think it was uh, Councilor Scott Pelley. Okay. So this on the motion is motion for Councilor Knight, seconded by Councilor Scott Pelley. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Caraviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes, seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. On the motion of Council Knight, seconded by Council Scarpelli to uh, schedule a committee of the whole meeting to discuss 20-519. On that motion, Clerk Curtis, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Motion to revert back to the regular order of business. A motion to Council Knight to revert back to the second. regular order of business. Seconded by Council Appears. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. Hang on just a second. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes, seven affirmative, zero in the negative. We will now revert to the regular order of business. Motions, orders, and resolutions 20-503 offered by Council tonight. Be it resolved that the Medford City Council requests the city administration implement beautification standards for establishments granted preliminary outdoor dining licenses under the governor's emergency order. Council tonight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, this is a resolution that is not intended to present another undue burden on our already struggling businesses that are uh, facing the coronavirus epidemic. However, um, I do think we can do a better job in um, presenting some curb appeal 
uh, when we're doing some of these outdoor dining licenses and outdoor dining establishments, Mr. President. Um, for example, we've seen what they've done down at Bistro 5. Um, they put some lattice work up, they put a tent up, they put some lights up and it looks nice. Um, but then you go to other places in the community and you see the concrete Jersey barrier taken up five parking spots and that's all it is. Um, so I'm hoping that maybe we can um, implement some minimum beautification standards on the outdoor dining license, Mr. President, so that um, when we do have areas that need to be protected with Jersey barriers and the like, um, we also have some requirements and standards to um, maintain, keep and improve our curb appeal. So that's the intention behind this resolution and I ask my council colleagues to support it. Thank you, Council Knight. Uh, we have Councilor Scarpelli, then Councilor Morell. Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, thank you, uh, President Falco, and uh, thank Council Knight for bringing this up. Uh, I do have a, a concern uh, to follow up with this. I, um, I got a few emails this week, a little too late to put it on the on the uh, agenda, but it might help if we could, Council Knight would uh, allow me to amend it to ask the, the um the code enforcement officer, if they can go out. I know that some of the Jersey barriers, I believe in uh, West Medford, uh, I was told that it it's, does not, um, it doesn't suffice for our residents in wheelchairs. So um, I believe we have a few, few people in West Medford that traverse that area and unfortunately couldn't, couldn't make their way in front of a restaurant. In, uh, so if we can ask our city administration to please, just to, to go out there and measure, just to make sure that we're in compliance. I think that beautification is important, but we still have to have safe pathways for our residents, especially our residents that um, need assistance to maneuver through that area. So if you can, uh, I make that as a motion if we can. Thank you. I have no opposition. I have no opposition to the amendment, Mr. President. Thanks, Thanks Council. So the uh, resolution has been amended by Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, we have now Councilor Morell. Thank you, Mr. President. Yeah, I did have some residents reach out about this as well. So I thank Councilor Knight for bringing this forward. And I did speak with uh, Ms. Brasenio in the Office of Community Development, and she did say the grant money that is being used for some of these Jersey barriers would allow for it to be used for decorations too. Um, so that's just helpful information for those businesses um, should this pass. So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Morell. Any other questions or comments from the Council? Okay, seeing and hearing none. Any questions from the public or any comments? Okay, we have, uh, let's see, we have Chief of Staff Rodriguez, uh, and then we have Susan Bibbins. Uh, let's see, uh, Dave Rodriguez. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you to the rest of the council as well. Um, it's, a, it's a point certainly well taken uh, for us. Uh, we had, uh, I had a lengthy conversation with some staff uh, this week regarding the beautification of some of these, uh, especially the ones in which Jersey barriers were placed. And I know that we've engaged with conversations with the Chamber of Commerce to, you know, paint these things, make it more appealing, make it more aesthetically pleasing. Uh, so it's certainly something that's on our radar screen uh, for the upcoming future. Um, and if there are any concerns about ADA compliance or measurements or anything, please forward those uh, to, to me or to, to the code enforcement officer. And we'll happy to look over those as soon as possible. Uh, that's certainly a concern of ours. When we did these measurings, we had a pretty, a pretty deliberate and thoughtful way as to how we were doing it. Uh, to make sure that, that 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 was in play when we were discussing this. So, uh, if things have moved around, or if there's some some compliance that we have to we have to engage with, we're happy to do that as well. Thank you. Uh, let's see. We have a uh, council tonight. And um, I would like to commend the administration, Mr. President, on getting um, the emergency outdoor dining licenses up and running in um, relatively fast order. 
Um, that when the governor issued his executive order allowing outdoor dining licenses to be issued under the emergency order, um, the administration embraced it and uh, ran with it. So, you know, I thought to uh, be critical of the job that they've done at all because they've done a great job. Um, it's just uh, a suggestion as to how we can improve. So I appreciate the work that they've done. Certainly, and that's a, certainly a point well taken. I mean, we wanted to get them up and running so that they, that they could survive and thrive uh, first. And now we're, we'll happen to make them integrate into the community, integrate into the, some of the squares as well. So uh, this, these, the, the regs weren't necessarily designed for a place like Medford, uh, but we were certainly able to embrace it pretty quickly. Uh, the mayor made it a priority uh, and OCD did a great job you know, pushing through. Thank you. Uh we have, uh, let's see, uh, Susan Bibbins, name and address for the record, please. My name is Susan Bibbins, and I am uh, live in South Medford. Um, I'm Ward uh, Precinct 8, or Ward 2, Precinct 8, or the other way around. Um, I'm uh, the chair of the uh, Commissions for Disability, uh, Persons with Disabilities, and I just um, like to uh, remind you and and uh, uh, caution you and charge everybody with making sure that the outdoor door uh, dining um, establishment um, has uh, remembered to really um, do that three foot or more um clearance with your jersey barriers or whatever they put up and um remember the corners and remember those curb cuts and that kind of thing so people with mobility challenges or using wheelchairs for mobility can have access to where they need to go um so that's just my two cents. Okay, thank you. Let's see, we have a, a, a Vice President Caviello I had a comment. Vice thank you, Mr. President. Uh, you. To the Chief of Staff, uh, Dave, um, how long are, are, are these outdoor dining uh, establishments gonna be uh, uh, out there till? Do you have a date? Yeah, the regs are active until November 1st. November so 1st? Yeah, that's the thank window you. in which we have to work with. Thank you. As the President, uh, again, I, 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 just to re reaffirm what Council Knight said, we appreciate all the effort to keep the businesses afloat and keep them going, but um, is there a way that maybe we can use some of that money to commission some of our high school students, our, our uh, talented artists that have gone out and uh, painted these utility boxes? It might be, that might be an avenue that we could, uh, could really help with those jersey areas. They're so talented. You see it all over this community in different ways. Maybe that might be an avenue that we can uh, really um, invite our our community. And we have so many of these blocks. That might be something that uh, if there's a way that the city can make that work, or if that that we could, you know, bring some kids in for community service or or uh, anything that uh, would help that. But just a suggestion. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli. Uh, let's see. Any other questions from the council? Comments from the council? Okay, seeing and hearing now, we have a comment, a uh, question from, is it, it Marsha? Yeah, it's Marsha, yeah, hi. Uh, Marsha Kirsten, 11 Upton Terrace, Medford. Uh, I want to thank 
you so much for thinking about accessibility in this project, because as those of you who must remember me from last year, um, I think it's really important if Medford can be a city that leads the way in, in, in keeping that in mind for everything, all construction and, and all new regulations and to make the idea of accessibility as broad as possible. Because I'm sure you know by now that the ADA does not cover all accessibility needs by any means. And, and I believe that Medford has the ability to be more forward thinking. And I thank you so much for hearing me about this so, so much. Thank you. Any other comments or questions from the public? Okay. I think Rick Jordan may want to speak, Mr. President. Okay, uh, let me find him. Uh, actually, if you find him, please unmute him. I'm looking. He just, he just uh, told me he's having... He can't find the raise hand function, so I'm I'm thinking he might want to talk, but I I can't find him in the. If you go to participants, if you click participants, you can then search a list, and you can just type in and unmute people as you find their name. Rick looks like he's on the beach. He's got the picture of the beach with the rocks and the ocean. I got him. He's muted, Mr. President. I'm having trouble unmuting him. I do not have a question at this time, but I cannot raise my hand for future discussion and was not able to in the past few meetings. I have a Windows computer. Okay. Rick, do you have, do you have a question now, Rick? I'm sorry, I missed that first spot. No, not currently. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Okay, I believe um, Council of Beers. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, and it's really up to Councillor Knight. I was wondering if we could amend this to also make sure that um, as Susan and as folks have said that um, we make sure that this is looking at access for people with disabilities. Um, if we're going down there for beautification, we might as well make sure there's the necessary clearance for uh, people who, who need access. With all due respect to the commentary around ADA compliance, um, that's the standard. Uh, that should be happening regardless of what's going on in our community. Um, I think that it might be important for us if we do have some locations or sites in the city that we ask our ADA compliance officer, the director of diversity to go down there and check it out. Um, you know, it certainly won't take anything away from the resolution. So I have no problem with you putting it in there. Um, but the uh, sole pr principle and purpose was um, for us to, you know, create um, some standards, some beautification standards. Um, ADA compliance is always an issue. It's always something that we need to do. It's always something that we should be focused on. So I have no problem amending the paper uh, to reflect that. However, I don't want to detract from the, uh, the principal goal and objective. No, and I, I appreciate the principle. I think it's really uh, important that we do it. Um, and it's just, if we're going down there to look at the beautification, it's another opportunity to check those distances. So I appreciate that, Councilor Knight. So you, you, are, you are amending Council Beers? Yes. Okay. okay uh, let's see. Any other questions from the council? Okay. On the motion of council tonight, seconded by 
Second, Mr. President. Vice President Caviello as amended by Councilor Scarpelli and Councilor Bears. Clerk Hardebees, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Caviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morrell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. So the affirmative is the negative. The motion passes. 20-505, offered by Council Knight, be resolved that the Memphis City Council requests the City Solicitor provide a draft zoning amendment authorizing the construction of accessory dwelling units for Council deliberation. Council Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, accessory uh, use dwelling is uh, a self-contained apartment in a single-family home that's owner-occupied, um, attached or in a separate structure on the same lot of land. Um, many times these are referred to as in-law apartments or uh, 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 granny flats is another term that I've seen uh, raised. But um, what uh, accessory dwelling units will allow us to do is to um, create more affordable housing stock in our community and more housing stock in our community. Um, we hear a lot about people that are being overhoused, people that um, are single living in a two, three or four bedroom home. Um, but because there's a lack of stock and a lack of affordable stock, especially, um, they're unwilling to, to downsize or move. Um, so, Mr. President, they're looking at um, what's going on in our community, uh, the cry for more affordable housing and more housing stock in the greater Boston area, um, and the fact that, you know, studies would show that uh, by allowing accessory dwelling units, assessments go up anywhere between 25 to 34% in communities that, uh, that allow accessory dwelling units in terms of property taxes, I think it's something that's very uh, worthy of review, examination, and debate. Um, previously, the city of Medford did allow accessory dwelling units, and they allowed them um, well before any of our time, well before Mr. Moki's time, uh, through what was called the Restrictive Covenant. And uh, that Restrictive Covenant was filed at the Registry of Deeds, saying that when this parcel changed hands, that the accessory dwelling unit, which would have a kitchen and a bathroom in it, the kitchen would be removed. It would not be sold as a multifamily dwelling. Um, so that's something we can also take a look at, Mr. President. Um, obviously, the restrictive covenant became something that became difficult to enforce, and that's why it fell by the wayside. So that may not be the best way to move about it, um, but it is an option for us. Uh, so with that being said, um, I think that it would make sense for uh, the building commissioner and the city solicitor to provide us with a draft uh, for us to debate, deliberate, and uh, hopefully discuss with Mr. Bob Roski. Um, I've had the opportunity of speaking with Andre a little about this uh, from our community development board at great lengths. Um, Andre's an expert in, in smart growth and accessory uh, dwelling, accessory use dwellings. Um, so, you know, he provides us with a vast array of expertise and knowledge in this area. And I think um, that this is something that uh, the community development board would be excited to work with us on. Uh, so with that being said, I ask my council colleagues to support the measure. And, um, you know, when, when we talk about accessory use dwellings, we picture uh, an apartment above a garage, Mr. President, or a, a small home in a backyard, um, you know, with a, the setbacks and, and zoning allows for it. Um, so I think that that's, you know, a backyard cottage, something like that, a basement apartment. Um, but just housing options for people, um, you know, you know, someone who has aging parents, um, you know, I think that uh, an accessory dwelling unit will be great for someone in my situation where I have a wife and young kids and an aging father who has his independence, um, but I would like to have him closer to me. You know, so those are just some things that, um, that we need to talk about and discuss, especially when we look at uh, the city of Medford, um, the desire for us all to age in place and um, the opportunities and options that are out there and the limits that are, uh, that are surrounding them at this point in time. 
uh, I think make this a good uh, measure to pursue and, and to take a look at, Mr. President. So with that being said, I rest my case and I'll ask my council colleagues to support the endeavor. Thank you, Council Knight. On the motion of Council Knight, seconded by. Second. Seconded by Council Bears. Council Bears. Thank you, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Knight. I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that was an incredible explanation and I think this is something we should do for our community. Um, so I'm supportive of this and supportive of deliberating on it. I was wondering if we could add a B paper um, just to get an update from the solicitor's office on the status of some ordinance we've requested and also whether or not KP law is helping out with ordinance drafting. Okay, so the uh, so the B paper, uh, Clerk Hardy, do you have the language for the B paper? Yeah. Mr. President, in light of um, in light of the events that have transpired over the past uh, since January, now eight months, nine months, um, the number of ordinances that we've requested to be drafted, and the number of ordinances that have come back, I think it might be. Uh, worthwhile for us to schedule a committee of the whole with representatives uh, from the solicitor's office and the city solicitor uh, to get an update. Um, I filed the resolution maybe 90 days ago um, seeking for monthly updates as to where we are in the status of the requested draft ordinances. Um, and that's something that I think that we should pursue, Mr. President. We haven't gotten an update on the status of any of our draft ordinances, so it might make sense for us to call a committee of the whole so that we can be brought up to speed as to where we are. That's the council work product. Um, I certainly support Councilor Bears resolution, but um, I think that it might make more sense for us instead of to get a report back, but to actually have a meeting and all get in the same room where we can talk about it. Um, so that would be the only request that I make is that he uh, just uh, changed the language in his amendment uh, to require a committee of the whole as opposed to a report back from the administration. I, I would support that. Thank you, Councillor. Uh, Clerk Curtis, do you have that language? So the, 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 the B paper has been changed. Uh, rather than an update from the solicitor's office on the status of uh, ordinances requested by the council uh, and whether KP law is helping out uh, with the drafting of the ordinance, you want to committee the whole on that. Yes, I'd still like an answer on the KP law, but um, if it comes before or during that meeting, that's fine. So if I, if I use your original amendment and say as well, as a committee, the whole meeting, is that, is, does that suffice for everyone? That works. That's fine. Yep. Does that work for you too? Was that the council tonight, Clerk Curtis? That was the council. Yeah, it works for me. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, thanks. Okay. So, All right. that, so the B paper offered by uh, Councilor Beers is seconded by. Second, Mr. President. Vice President Caviello. Okay, Vice President Caviello. Thank you, Mr. President. I, I want to thank Council Knight for bringing this forward. Um, uh, I, I think what Council Knight, when he mentioned, uh, he's talking about people like me. Um, my kids are all, all moved out of the house and moved away and I got four bedrooms and three bathrooms and me and my wife. And, uh, and, uh, that's something I'll, then uh, I know there's many other people like myself, we've got these big houses and, um, and, uh, you know, we could probably put it in our apartment and, and it will give us a chance to, uh, age, uh, in place in the state of Memphis where we want to, where we'd like to, uh, stay, um, and without having to move out. And maybe uh, sell the house to maybe one of our, someone in our family or someone uh, that would, um, you know, win. Uh, win. Uh, I think that we should. I think. I think we're getting more. I think that we should defend the.
Uh, Clerk Herbie, can you mute everyone, please? I'm, I'm trying. Thank, thank you. But again, uh, let's like say, uh, I, I, you know, I think he's talking about people in my age group who, let's like say, uh, you know, uh, our children are all gone. We've got, we've got this you know, big house and nobody in it. And like I say, and, uh, you know, probably could uh, do it in our apartment somewhere online. So uh, I, I hope I wholeheartedly support this uh, and look forward to um, an ordinance coming forward. Thank you, Vice President Cardiello. Council Marks. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I want to thank uh, my colleague, Council Knight, for bringing this up. Uh, Council Caviello, I have two kids I can drop off tomorrow, if that's <laughs> all right. Um, it's okay. Mr. President, um, you know, for, for many years in this community, uh, we've had uh, accessory dwelling units. However, they're just not permitted or authorized. And those, uh, what I refer to, are illegal abasement apartments, illegal attic apartments, and a number of other illegal uh, attachments to homes, Mr. President. And uh, this has been an issue of contention for a lot of years in neighborhoods, especially thickly settled neighborhoods, because uh, you'll see an influx of cars, uh, you'll see an influx of residents. Uh, however, um, you know, uh, these particular illegal units currently are not being permitted by the city. So there's, number one, there's a safety concern with electrical, plumbing, heating, you name it, there's a safety concern, uh, Mr. President. And also taxes, Mr. President. Uh, many of these illegal apartments that currently exist now don't pay taxes to the community. So this discussion is well warranted in the community, and it's something uh, that I agree with. And uh, at the very least, we should be looking at in-law apartments because I agree with my colleagues uh, to allow uh, residents that are uh, at a certain age to stay in their units um, or their houses, uh, I think makes a lot of sense. Um, we also have to be mindful of uh, the flip side, that you know, once we bring this above board, um, that we will have an influx uh, into our neighborhoods. And if you think parking is a concern right now, it's gonna become even more of a concern. And then we have to look at resident permit parking, a potentially citywide permit parking, like they do in Cambridge and Somerville and other surrounding communities. So this actually is probably a great issue to bring up because it's gonna bring everything that's currently happening, happening illegal in the community above board right now. And we could take a good hard look at how we wanna approach this issue, but also be mindful that uh, we don't want uh, our neighborhoods to turn into an area where there's gonna be a mass exodus because there are so many uh, units in an area that it becomes unlivable uh, for residents as well. So I think we it, there's a, a happy median here that uh, we have to find, but uh, the issue definitely needs to be broached, and uh, I look forward to having that discussion. Thank you, Council Marks. Any other questions or comments from the Council? Okay, seeing and hearing none. Uh, let's see, anyone from the public we have? Uh, let's see. Kelly Catalo, name and address for the record. Kelly Catalo, 46 Otis Street in Medford. Thank you, Councillor President Falco. Councillor Knight, thank you very, very much. For many, many years, I've seen viable apartments being gutted out of these homes as the family moved out, and they were great living spaces. They were affordable for people. 
Um, Council Marks, I know that you have a concern about the cars. And this idea actually came from a fellow realtor in a different state. But what they do in her city is that they only give a certain number of parking permits per house. So if that person wanted to be able to rent out their accessible unit, if they had an extra parking permit for that person, then that person could park on the street. If not, they wouldn't have a parking space. I just think that housing has gotten to the point where it is so expensive right now. Point of information, Mr. President. What information, Council Marks? Not, not to cut you off, Kelly, uh, and I appreciate what you said, but uh, remember that not all streets are permit parking. And uh, it's great to say we have permits, but that's not the case on many, many streets in this community. So uh, in order to put, implement what you're talking about, we'd have to do some type of permit citywide parking. Um, so I'm just asking you to consider working with the parking situation just because the housing situation is that dire right now. With COVID, you know, a lot of the younger generation has all moved home. They would love to have an in-law apartment in their mom's house if they still have some independence. So there are so many great ideas and so many places that you can go with this. Um, and if you could also consider what the city of Boston has done, they've taken accessory dwelling unit and they've actually called it an additional dwelling unit. And there is some legislation that's online that you can get right off of the city of Boston website. And if you would consider that, I think that it would help a lot of people be able to afford to stay in our community. Thank you. Thank you. Any other questions or comments from the... Oh, I'm sorry, Council Morrell. Yeah, I think you oh, had I, just, I can see Marianne has her hand up in the her virtual hand up. <laughs> okay, I, I see right here. Okay, Marianne, I'm trying to unmute you. Hi, thank you for noticing me. Can you hear me? Yes, name and address for the record, please. Uh, Marianne Broxton, 25 Exchange Ave in Medford. Um, I have a couple of questions. I noticed that Councilman Knight said that the creation of these apartments would help you know, hopefully increase affordable housing in Medford. Um, um, I would love if that was true and if that happens, but my fear is that um, I know that the city of Boston, it, any new construction, you have to have 10% of the housing units allocated for affordable housing. So if we're having individual apartments pop up all around the city, what does that guarantee that actually some of them will be allocated for affordable housing? And I was looking at um, real estate. I got a thing popped up on my, on my Twitter the other day for an apartment near Tufts that was a five bedroom apartment that was $5,000, you know, which would be great for college students each moving in. But if we're saying, look, what's to prevent like somebody in that area to say, okay, well, I have a garage. Let me do it over. Now I can charge like 2000 3000 That doesn't necessarily allocate more affordable housing for people. It might be great for people that want to have like a mother-in-law apartment or something like that, or maybe a little start a home with their adult children and getting married and they want to set them up in that. And I also have a question. I noticed that you mentioned something about the idea of some apartments that don't have, aren't required to have refrigerator and stoves in them in, in these types of apartments that it could just be like the bedroom and the bathroom or whatever. Um, oh, is no, it in no, 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 oh. no. I said that there was a restricted covenant on Prior uh, prior permitting of these was allowed through a restrictive covenant, and when the property changed hands, the uh, kitchen would have to be taken out. Okay, because that's what I'm also curious about too. Because I know in Massachusetts, when you rent an apartment, though, it does not have to have a refrigerator, but is it required by law to have a stove in it? So I was wondering how how does that play into if we're saying 
yes, this is this is something that we want to have more affordable housing, but then it actually never ends up producing more affordable housing. And that if people can say, well, we don't really have to follow those guidelines. Well, so, I mean, the, those basic, the basic economic principle of supply and demand would drive the housing costs down. So, you know, it may not be an affordable housing unit per se by the definition of, you know, an affordable housing unit under Department of Housing and uh, Community Development Guidelines. But what it would do is make housing more affordable because our stock would increase. So if the supply exceeds the demand, the cost goes down. If the demand exceeds the supply, the cost goes up. So just the basic economic principle of supply and demand. Um, the more housing units we have on the market, the cheaper that those units are going to be. I appreciate that idea, but I really think it has to do with um, the amount of income for people also, oh, uh, oh, maybe alongside supply and demand. Because when we consider how many homeless families are in Massachusetts. The, the principle of the, use, the, the accessory use dwelling unit is it's, uh, it's, it's an, usually a single family owner-occupied home, mm -hmm. right? Defined by Massachusetts General Law, a single family owner-occupied home. So it's not, you know, this isn't something where it's going to be, you know, I'm just throwing apartments up all over the place so tough kids can live there. Um, you know what I mean? This is to, 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 to meet a need and a demand in the community. Okay, thank you for your clarification. Thank you. Okay, any other questions or comments? Oh, uh, let's see, we got Jennifer Crowood. Uh, I'm going to try to unmute you. Hi, uh, Jennifer Kerwood, 43 Willis Avenue. Um, I guess my question would be one or I guess suggestions would be making sure we know how we feel about Airbnbs under while considering these sorts of ADUs. Um, I know that there are several cities where things like that would come into place and then it doesn't actually provide housing. It's really just meant for the person to have an auxiliary income. And I have no objection to that necessarily, but if the actual rationale behind this is to provide housing, it would have to be a consideration what we would do for like VRBOs and Airbnb and things like that. Okay. That's all. Thank you. Okay, we have, um, is it Will Nevere? Well, oh, hi there. Hi. William, William Navarre, 108 Medford Street, apartment 1B. I think this is a really great thing, accessory dwelling units. I think that we have um, issues with affordability, not only in terms of the formal notion of affordability, you know, of, 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 of the, uh, the technical definition of the Department of Housing and so forth, but, but we have the issue that a very small number of people get to live in good locations like Medford. Most Americans have to have a very long commute to work. They don't have any access to trains or buses or all the wonderful things we enjoy here in our community. And I think it'd be really great if some of those people, maybe they're commuting from New Hampshire or from, um, or, or, or uh, you know, North Andover or something, and, and they'd have to catch a train that comes only once every three hours. They can start moving to Medford. It'll help our, our traffic crisis. We have more people living, paying taxes in Medford rather than commuting far-flung locations. And when fewer people are pushed out to those far-flung locations, uh, people won't be as desperate to pay so much money to live here. And that's going to be a slow process, supply and demand. It's not quite, uh, it is supply and demand. You can get into a little bit more complex than that. But basically the idea is that if you're having to force people really far away, they're going to give an arm and a leg to avoid that. They have lots of options. 
it's going to be a little bit better. It'll slowly get better. Uh, accessory dwell unit, good first step to help that. Thank you. Thank you. See, we have uh, Veronica Hernandez. Name and address for the record, please. I'm trying to unmute, me, unmute you. Uh, Hello, can you hear me? Yes, name and address for the record, please. Uh, Veronica Hernandez, 55 Jerome Street. Um, so mine is, so this kind of goes piggybacking off of, uh, what Marianne had mentioned about, uh, you know, like if like it actually being affordable as somebody who had to move out of Medford and end up back in their parents' house, um, even though Boston does do those affordable housing units, and if they were to come to Medford, they're not really affordable for the everyday person, um, especially us college students who had to come back home. Mr. President, um, information. Point of information, Council Knight. This in, in no way, shape, or form was a proposal to uh, have these as inclusionary zoning housing units. Um, it was just to allow for the ability to permit for an accessory dwelling unit to create more housing stock in the community. And when I think we're all getting hung up on this affordable, affordable, affordable. This isn't the proposal that's going to be required to be affordable housing. The affordability is going to lie in the supply and demand. With the increase in supply, we're going to be able to drive the cost of housing down. That's where the affordability comes in. Making it more affordable would probably be the best way to put it, but not affordable housing. Making housing more affordable as opposed to increasing our affordable housing stock. These accessory dwelling units and the stock that's going to come with them are not going to be attributable to our 10% threshold under the Department of Housing and Community Development. Um, so I want that to be very clear. Um, you know, The affordability aspect comes into it by... Increasing the number of units in your community, we're going to hopefully catch up and then at some point meet or exceed our demand so that this, this cost will continue to drive down. So I, I don't want us to get hung up on this affordable housing, affordable housing, like it's something that's going to go towards um, uh, safe harbor threshold, because that, that's not the intention of this. The intention of this is to allow people the opportunity to pursue um, an ability to create in-law apartments and owner-occupied dwellings that are single family. Um, so that, that's where this is coming from. I want that to be very clear. Thank you, Council Knight. Uh, Veronica, please continue. No, I'm all set. He, he said what he said. It's fine. We're good. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. I'll see. Gina Zo, name and address for the record, please. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Hi, thank Hi. you. I apologize for not having video. My signal doesn't do so well with video. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to speak on this important issue. I think there's some confusion on what ADU units are and what they're supposed to do. Accessory dwelling units are historically spaces that are created to allow for additional living typically of related members. So in other words, an in-law apartment, above a garage for your college student to have a place to be. They're not meant to be rental or condo stock. And that's important because we talk about housing and affordability and affordable housing interchangeably, but it's really not. The supply and demand curve 
does not inflect in housing because housing isn't a consumable like a widget or a bag of sugar. And we really need to stop conflating housing affordability with affordable housing government quota that is required by 40B for the state of Massachusetts and what housing stock does in the community. So while um, these AHUs have a place in our community to help maintain places for people to be without being displaced, they will in no way, shape or form do anything to increase affordable housing, quote, units that are required as subsidized housing units are because they're never built with those subsidy funds because they're usually put into existing structures, whether it be a basement, an attic, a front room, above a garage, you're not building them separate. That's the first point I'd like to make. And then the second point is this is just another layer of death by paper cuts. We are currently seeing an influx of housing that's high value housing when we take a parcel and it's cut and subdivided and we get two or four luxury units that are high-end units that do nothing to offset and increase our threshold of income so that our affordable housing threshold rises with it, which further puts housing affordability out of reach for many Medford residents because at least 40% of Medford residents do not meet that $75,000 a year threshold that we typically see with affordable housing requirements and in affordable housing lotteries. So therefore, while I think this is a commendable thing to be looking at, I would caution that we need to be very precise about what we're doing and how we're doing it in the language and that we're sticking to accessory dwelling units for the purpose that's intended because otherwise what we're doing is we're creating yet another loophole for quote developers and flippers to come in and up zone through this new ordinance that we're looking to create. So I would caution people and I would encourage our population to think about housing affordability slightly separate from affordable housing, which is the government mandated quotients. Thank so you. I thank you for your time. Thank you. May, may I remember, remind everyone, I apologize. I should have said this from the beginning. My, my fault, a uh, minute and a half. You get a minute and a half when you're called upon. Um, so uh, if I may, so Kelly. Appreciate, appreciate the latitude. Thank you. Vice President. Uh, Vice President Caviello. Uh, I, Mr. President, I, I, I think we've gotten a little bit off track on, on um, what Councilor Knight brought up. Um, uh, again, I, I don't think he was bringing it up to, as an affordable housing alternative. It was just something that he asked um, maybe we could look into or um, and maybe have a discussion on. I don't, I don't think he, he brought it up with the point of uh, making them affordable units uh, that would add to our affordable stock. So I want to make that point, Mr. President. Thank you, Councilor Caviello. Uh, Kelly Catala, did you have a comment? I do. I do. Okay. Name and address. 
Kelly Catalo, 46 Otis Street in Medford. Um, to follow up what Mr. Caraviello just said and what Mr. Knight said, first of all, Massachusetts state law does allow a owner occupant to rent up to three unrelated people by the second degree of kindred in their property. So there are accessory apartments right now in the city of Medford that a little old lady lives upstairs and she can't afford to pay her taxes and maybe a college student or a young adult is renting her apartment. She is still within the guidelines of the state law and she's able to pay her tax bill. That young person who's living in that apartment is only paying $600. That is housing stock that we all need. We need for the people in our community to be able to live here. Most of the people in our community are not the people that are going to qualify or even go after you know, some of this housing subsidy stuff that people are talking about. And I really don't feel that Adam Knight was looking to do that. He's looking to make Medford affordable to the people of Medford. And I really hope that everybody can get on board with that. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Clark, can you read the language to the B paper before we take the vote? Yes. The B paper. I don't, I'm, Mr. President, I don't have all the language for the B paper. I'm still trying to copy it down. The, the B paper, I believe, was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Councilor Beers was a committee the whole uh, to receive an update from the city solicitor well, and law. Okay, so we're still, okay, I got it. Yes. This is the one that was, there was an update from the solicitor on the status of ordinances And whether or not KP law is helping to uh, is helping to is helping out with ordinances, as well as a committee of the whole to discuss the same uh, to discuss the same issue. Correct. Okay. On that motion, this is the B paper. On the B paper, on the motion of Council of Bears, seconded by Vice President Caviello. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Caviello. Vice President Caviello. Yes. Thank you. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero and the negative. The motion passes. Uh, let's see. Uh, on the main motion, offered by Councilor Knight, seconded by Councilor Bears. Clerk Curtis, please call the roll. Councilor Bears. Yes. Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven the affirmative, zero and the negative. The motion passes. 20-506 offered by Council of Bears. Where is the Massachusetts? General? Motion to consolidate with paper 20518. On the motion of uh, Councilor Knight to consolidate papers 20506. Second. 518. Seconded by Council Bears. Clerk please call the roll. Council Bears. Yes. Vice President Cariello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Council Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven affirmative zero and the negative. The motion passes. The papers are consolidated. 
let's see, two zero five zero six. Talk by Council of Bears. Whereas the Massachusetts General Court and Governor Baker agreed to maintain fiscal year two thousand twenty funding levels for two major state aid accounts in current and future budgets of fiscal year twenty one. And whereas these budget extensions level fund Chapter seventy for public schools at twelve million one hundred forty three thousand three hundred six dollars and unrestricted local aid. Funding UGGA at $12,880,443. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Memphis City Council that the city administration provide an update on the impact of the state budget process on the city budget and how the funding increase of $1,089,537 for Chapter 70 and $963,457 for unrestricted local aid above the levels projected in the fiscal year 2021 city budget will be distributed to our public schools and city services. 20-518 is a paper from the mayor to the honorable president and members of the Memphis City Council, City Hall, Memphis, Massachusetts, 02155. Dear Mr. President and City Council, Councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that your honorable body approves to amend the school budget for fiscal 2021 from $61,250,000 to $62,339,537 which is an increase of $1,089,537. The governor has committed the level, uh, committed to level fund chapter 70 at the fiscal year 20 level. The city has budgeted a 10% decrease to chapter 70 for fiscal year 2021 due to the health pandemic. Director, Finance Director Alicia Nunley Benjamin is present to answer any questions, to answer any of the council's questions regarding this matter. Sincerely, Brianna Longo, current mayor. Uh, let's see. Do any of the uh, councilors have questions for uh, Alicia Donnelly, uh, Councilor Bears? I just wanted to uh, say that um, I'm glad to see the school portion of the of my motion is on here. Glad that uh, Director Denley Benjamin is here to answer questions. Um, and I my that leaves the only unresolved question as to what's going to happen with the local aid funding. So that's now my my main question uh, with this motion. Thank you. Thank you. Move the paper, Mr. President, for okay. approval. On the motion of Vice President Caviello, second by. Second. Second. Councilor Barris, Councilor Knight. Uh, Mr. President, if we could just have an explanation from somebody in the administration as to where these funds are going to go when they, they're uh, re-injected into our school department's budget, I'd, I'd appreciate that. Um, I know that, you know, when we were going through the budget process, um, there were a number of positions that uh, were not uh, filled. There was the hope uh, that we would be going to be able to recall, I think, another 30 or 40 employees. Um, so I think an update would be um, worthwhile and sufficient at this point in time as to how these funds are going to be expended um, in the spirit of Council of Business resolution. I know we have some representatives from the administration here, um, as well as some representatives from the teachers union that are here this evening as well. Thank you, Council Knight. Uh, Alicia or uh, Dave Rodriguez, do either of you have, uh, either you be able to answer those questions? Uh, good evening, Honorable Counselor. So the school budget is a bottom line budget. So when you voted, it's not like the city where it's by line. So the school would actually have to tell you how they're going to use that million dollars that was level funded. Okay. So um, is it safe to say at this point in time that um, the school committee is waiting for us to give them their money so that they can figure out how they want to spend it? That, that would be correct. All right. Sounds good. Move for approval, Mr. President. Thank you, Council. Hey, Council Scarpelli. If we could, if we can ask, as soon as this happens, if we 
could uh, amend this paper and ask the school committee and the superintendent to uh, please um, um, be a little clearer with our administrators, our teachers, our students, and our parents. I think that uh, there's so much going on with the COVID and, and you know, starting a school and what's been happening. You got parents not sure who the teachers are going to be. You have administrators that don't know who, who who's going into different classrooms. So if we can have an update sent to all the parties as quickly as possible uh, to eliminate at least that that fear and that unease in our our kids and our parents and our teachers and administrators, I think would be very helpful. So uh, thank you for bringing this forward. Thank you, Council Scarpelli. Uh, Clerk Hernandez, do you have that amendment? I do. Do you want to read it back? Uh, you can. Yeah, sure. Council Scarpelli's amendment was to ask the school committee and the superintendent to be clearer uh, with the administrators, teachers, students, and parents, and update all parties as quickly as possible. Do you need a little? Do you mean to add a little more to that, Council Scarpelli? Well, just uh, uh, on on um, teacher reassignments and dealing with the budget. I think that's very important. So if we can do that, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Council Scarpelli. Vice President Caviello. Vice President Caviello. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. Um, I can amend that so we can have a breakdown onto how these uh, funds are being spent, going to be allocated amongst the school department. I don't know if that was already in there my uh my internet is coming in and out but i would like to make that inform as amendment that uh we we be informed on uh, how these funds are, are going to be spent okay thank you vice president carviello any other questions or comments from the council oh councilor bears just um alicia or, or dave what's the plan for the local aid piece of this through the chair um, so we're still evaluating uh, how we're going to use the unrestricted general government aid on the city side, but it was a priority right away to get the schools the funding that they needed. So in addition to this paper tonight, there's two other papers for reprogramming more funds to the schools for capital items that the council is going to see. So um, we're still in the works. We're still evaluating, but uh, we should have something pretty soon. Great. Thank you. Any other questions for the comment? Questions or comments from the council? Okay, seeing and hearing none, uh, any questions from the public? Okay. okay seeing and hearing none, on the motion of, I think it was, Clerk uh, who made the original Council Knight moved to approve. Okay, so Council Knight, seconded by. Second. Councilor Beers, as amended by Councilor Scarpelli and Councilor Carviello. Clerk Hurtabies, please call the roll. Councilor Beers. Yes. Vice President Carviello. Yes. Councilor Knight. Yes. Councilor Marks. Yes. Councilor Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. President Falco. Yes. Seven affirmative, zero in the negative, the motion passes. Mr. President, uh, motion to suspend the rules to take communications from the mayor out of order. Second. On the motion of Council Pierre, seconded by Vice President Caviello to suspend the rules to take communications from the mayor, Council Pierre. Get a vote on uh, Clerk Hurtbees, please call the roll. Council Pierre. Yes. 
Vice President Carabiello. Yes. Council Knight. Yes. Thank you, Council Marks. Yes. Council Morell. Yes. Councilor Scarpelli. Yes. It's seven zero, Mr. President. I didn't hear the Sorry. Six zero, and I have to call the president. Seven in the affirmative, zero in the negative. The motion passes. Councilor Bears. Uh, just uh, moving to take the other communications from the mayor out of order. Communications from the mayor, 20-516 to the Honorable President, members of the Medford City Council, City Hall, Medford, Massachusetts, 02155. Dear Mr. President and City Councilors, I respectfully request and recommend that your Honorable Body pro reprogram surplus proceeds in the amount of uh, $703,489.80 from the Medford High School Science Labs Project to the Medford High School Improvements Project in accordance with Mass General Law Chapter 44, Section 20. Finance Director Alicia Nunley Benjamin is present to answer any question, any of the council's questions regarding this matter. Sincerely, Brianna Longo, current mayor. Motion for uh, uh, explanation from the uh, administration. Alicia, would you like to comment further on this, please? Okay. Good evening, Honorable Counselors. So there were, I'll start with this paper, um, with some um, bond proceeds that were done and some MSBA money. They spent all the MSBA and they still had some bond proceeds left in the project that was never spent. So this money can be reprogrammed to the high school for a high school improvement project as long as whatever projects they're doing is for the same amount of time that the loan would have been for the science labs. And I know that the high school, some of the things that they were looking at were HVAC. I know that they're looking at, I know I've heard the council too, um, bathrooms. So there's a lot of projects I know that they have that, that improvements that need to go at the high school. And then instead of those bond proceeds just sitting there stagnant in the project, if you program them to a new project, they can use those now. Vice President Caviello, are you all set or? Um, no, I'm, I'm a little confused. Um... Why would taking the money that was appropriated for the science labs and I mean, not that I'm a, uh, uh, I, I know we need improvements, but uh, why is that allowed to take money that was allocated for a science lab to put it somewhere else? Because the project was completed. So those, are, those are The project was completed for the science lab and that surplus funding that was left. Okay. Can I ask why there was surplus funding? Did we do the job? Did, we, did it get completed under budget? Or? I'm assuming it was under budget. So I know whenever I've seen surplus funds, it's usually because you have to borrow for the total of what your estimated project is. And then when you're actually doing the work, it usually does come under and you may have a little bit of proceeds left. In this case, there was 703000 left. It's a little bit more than a little bit, but... Yeah. Um, uh, I, uh, well, I guess if it goes along by... As long as it goes along with the law... Okay, thank you. Thank you, Vice President Caviello. We have Councilor Morell, then Councilor Knight, Councilor Morell. Thank you, Mr. President. Um, Alicia, you said that the project can be a similar project or however you were, it can be done as long as it's the same amount of time. What's that right. time frame? 30 years. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Councilor Morell. Councilor Knight. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, so, 
We have two papers before us this evening. The one that we're speaking of right now is for the $703,000. Correct. Correct. So that is what would have been the savings on the science lab projects through our, um, our bond, our bond anticipation notes or whatever it was. However, we were able to save money on that project. Correct. And now what we're doing is we're going to take that $703,000. And because we had appropriated that previously for school department capital improvements, we're going to repurpose these for continued school department capital improvements. Correct. Okay. Yes. And then of this $703,000, 112,000 of that is going to be directed towards the HVAC improvements. Yes. Or is that, or is that above and beyond? Uh, that's that 112, which is the next paper will be for uh, HVAC. Uh, there, I think we put it in for, it was HVAC and boiler replacement, those surplus proceeds. So we want to put it back into this high school improvements project and work on some of the HVAC. Okay, so what was the total surplus? Was it? So 703.489.80 was in the science labs. Okay. And 112.692.73 was the surplus in the HVAC boiler replacement. The HVAC boiler, okay. And I just wanted to combine them all into one school high school improvements project for the school committee to make those choices of where is best, you know, it's best serves the schools. Okay. So now when we're looking at the money that's come in over the past couple of weeks, we have about $1.9 million in funds that have been injected um, into our unrestricted government aid and uh, chapter 70 money. Correct. And we had a $5.5 million deficit um, right around January 30, uh, June 30th. Correct. So that brings us to about $3.6 million in deficit. Um, restructural deficit right now. Then we have these two papers. That's about another million dollars that we're going to be able to invest it back into our school system. So we're looking at, having a deficit of about $2.6 million as of right now compared to where we were June 30th. Correct. We've almost cut the deficit in half over the past 45 days. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Councilor Councilor Scott Pelley. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. So uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Alicia, but could, uh, could this money be allocated for uh, any adjustments that needed for getting the buildings prepared for COVID? Is that, you know, to, to get our kids back in, into the schools? We would use for that. We have CARES Act funds. The schools have CARES Act and ESSER money. The schools um, have a preparedness grant for uh, preparing for the schools to go back, for the kids to go back. This one would be more for large capital items. So bathrooms, stuff like that. A boiler or the school needed to do their HVAC, the school needed to do their windows, the school needed to uh, do their, you know, redo their entire bathroom, something to that effect. Okay, so that Mike, and that's what I was coming to. I know that part of the um, issue that I've heard was that the uh, HVAC system had to be updated at the high school to make sure it's safe for our students and teachers to return. Is that correct? So is it, is that? Yeah, they, they could use it for that. They could use it for the updating of an HVAC system. They could use it for that as well. All right, so, but do you know if that's something they're looking at? Do you know, or is that, we don't know? That I don't know. I mean, you'd have to reprogram this first and then let the school committee make the decision of how they're gonna allocate the funds. We right, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Scarpelli, Councilor Marks. Councilor Marks, I'm going to unmute you. 
There you go. You're on. You know? Yep. Uh, I just want to touch upon what Councilor Scott Pelley mentioned regarding the ventilation. Uh, Alicia, do you know if we're looking at ventilation upgrades to all the schools throughout the system? I know the schools are looking at that. Okay. Uh, the, the reason why I ask is that um, during the budget, uh, the school committee came out with a laundry list of uh, priorities and recommendations uh, if they had additional money. Um, have they put anything in priority uh, for this additional funding? I mean, they're well, we haven't approved it, but they're well aware there's money out there uh, now. Uh, have they put anything uh, in writing to what they're looking at? I haven't seen anything and I can't speak on behalf of the school committee. Right, but, but we're being asked to appropriate money. Right, for them to make the decision. Right, so once you appropriate it and they have a fund and it's awarded, I can create an account for them and then they can figure out how they're going to expend the money. Well, my, my recommendation would be similar to what I think Councilor Scott Pelley was alluding to, that uh, whatever is done with this particular money, that it go towards uh, the eventual reopening of the schools regarding ventilation, safety needs, PPE, whatever else is needed in order and when it's safe to get back into school. So they, I, couldn't, they couldn't use it for PPE because, as I stated, the Mass General Law says it has to be for the least the same borrowing period. So it would have to be a project that have, would have a borrowing life of 30 years. So supplies wouldn't wouldn't be under that. That would we would fund that out of our CARES Act money. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll take out we'll take out the supply stuff. But anything regarding uh, the cost uh, to reopen our schools eventually, I, I think, would be. Uh, an important expenditure at this particular stage. Um, you know, we've been talking about restrooms, uh, the bubblers, water bubblers uh, in the high school for many, many years. And I, I think that's warranted. I'd like to see as a part of uh, a contingent, a part of uh, the approval of this council that we receive uh, an update uh, immediately from the school committee when they do uh, get together and meet uh, to see what their priorities are and what they expend, uh, what they plan on spending this money for. Council Marks, is that an amendment to the to the paper? It, it, is, it is, Mr. President. Okay. Clerk, do you have the language on the amendment? We're working on it. Okay. Council Knight, you're up next. Just give us one second. Can I read the uh, the, the language I have back? Please. Uh, council Marks' amendment is that the council receive an update immediately from the school committee on how the money is going to be spent. And, and, and that we put a priority, uh, Mr. Clerk, that we put a priority on uh, any uh, expenditures uh, for the eventual reopening of our public schools regarding uh, safety, uh, i.e. the ventilation system, security, whatever else needs to be in place uh, for our order, in order for us our teachers, our staff, and our children to safely go back to school. Okay. Thank you, Council Marks. Council Knight, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Clerk Herbie, you have a... I got it. Okay, perfect. Council Knight. Um, just a couple of questions for the Finance Director, uh, through you, Mr. President. Um, if we fail to reprogram these funds, what happens? Does it just revert back to the general fund? No, they just sit back in their capital project. They just sit back in the capital project account. 
And by us repur repurposing or reprogramming these funds, would they be subject to appropriation in the future, or is this a blank check? We're given a you know nine million dollar nine hundred thousand dollar blank check to the school department for the capital fund without them having to come back to us and request appropriation. Correct. They would not have to request appropriation once you approve the repurpose, as long as it's for the purpose and what you voted. They would not need to come back. And what's the purpose that we'd be voting now? Just so right now, it's for Medford High School Improvements Project. It's the Medford High School Improvements Project. So what we're doing right now is making a commitment of about uh, $900,000 to invest in improvements just to Medford High School through the passage of this? Yes. And if we do this, it would not be subject to appropriation? Correct. And if we don't do it, it would sit in the same account that it's in and would we be able to appropriate it, uh, appropriate that money at a later date? Yes. By request? Okay, yeah. so really uh, really what this is is almost we're setting up a, a revolving account almost for Medford High School school improvements that's going to be funded through the surplus that we saved on these bonds? Uh, it will be another capital project account, but yes, it will be funded through the surplus for them to use right away That because I know that they have many projects that need to get done. So instead of coming before your body to borrow money or free cash, we have these surplus proceeds just sitting there that they could use. And um, do we know how we're going to prioritize. Uh, I think this is similar to what Councilor Scott Pelley and Max are talking about, but what, what are we going to prioritize in terms of where the spending is going to go? I, I think that's very important. That, um, right, and I think, and that would be- Without appropriation, then, you know, where that spending goes is going to be very important. I think, and that would be up to the school committee. I wouldn't be able to tell you, I know that they have been talking about HVAC systems. I know I've seen and heard about bathrooms, um, but I don't know what the school committee's plan is, so I can't speak on their behalf. All right, thank you very much. Council Knight, Council Scarpelli. This is what, what I'm getting at, Mr. President. Um, and, and forgive me for all your hard work, Alicia, but um, I would rather, for one person, I'd rather see our school committee prioritize what we need to get us in the building and then come to the city council for appropriation for the fact that um, I think it's uh, as much as individuals want their own individual projects to go through. I think right now as a community, we all need to be working to make sure that the air quality is um, acceptable so our kids can um, get back to school. And I think that uh, um, giving a, 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 an open checkbook to the, to the school committee, um, I don't have much faith in that. So um, uh, that's why I probably won't be voting on this. So thank you. 